And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back to a fan-filled edition of the Warriors All-82 Podcast. <laughs> Field, huh? Field was strong. Uh, I thought they were going to get 6,500 in Chase Center. By the way, Marcus Thompson with me. You just heard his voice. We are in Chase Center where fans were here for the first time. And 409 days was the stat they kept throwing out there. But I thought they were going to get 6,500. I believe that's what they were allotted. Um, 6,500 of like the 18,000. But they, they, they're they kind of trickling them in. And uh, sounds like to me these first three games – they're going to only do around 2,000. That's about what it was tonight. And then maybe try to go between like four and 6,000 for the final six. Let's start there. Warriors beat the Nuggets. What did you think of the crowd and the crowd noise? Well, they, they were probably smart to do that today because uh, apparently the, the testing line and the vax line, like to get in, was kind of a zoo. So I know uh, Kim Stone is going to do some – evaluation and, 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 and fixing some things. Uh, yeah, because I'm better with names than Mr. Stephen Curry. But uh, they kind of needed to feel it, you know, feel how many they needed for concession stands, you know, feel how many, like, just how they were going to set it up because you can't eat in the crowd. So I was thinking that, like, if you got 6,000 people just in the concession, like, in the foyer eating, like, that's probably a little wild. So they probably needed to do that. But uh, it was a little bit more tame than I thought. I figured, I figured you would feel the 1900 more than we felt, so that was a little weird. But they seemed the players seemed to appreciate it a little bit. Like they they seemed to like it. Yeah, I mean, I it, it was different than the empty, right? The blue tar- there's something depressing about the blue tarp. So even walking in and be like, oh, it's seats, it felt more normal. Um, and then yeah, I mean, just 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 human interaction, human noise, just ambiance. Um, I think just helps you know the vibe for everybody. Uh, I do generally agree with you. It was not like a rowdy 1900. Now, I think some of that was thrown off a little bit. Of like, I was thinking, man, if Steph comes out and it's just bang, 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 3-3-3. Three, 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 like, remember the game he had where he uh, passed Wilt? Yeah. And he scored like 19 yeah. right away. Like, if he had had that game tonight, I think you might have had a more jumping early crowd. But the problem was not only did he go scoreless in the first quarter, he, like, left for the locker room for four minutes and came back. And even when he came back, he was limping. Like, it, I don't know how much the crowd sensed what was going on because, obviously, as journalists, were following that a little closer. But, like, the first quarter was really odd, and it kind of set the tone for, for, for a weirder night because all I was watching, I was like, Steph's, like, does not look right. Now that changed, but I thought that kind of set the mood. It was weird because he checks out, right, and it looks like an equipment malfunction, right? He said it was tape, but live, we didn't know what it was. Was it his brace? Was it the shoe? He leaves, and, you know, the way he jogged off, I was like, okay, it's got to be some kind of equipment thing because he, he jogged off as if to say, don't worry, y'all. 
it's not ankle or and, something. Yeah, and also it felt like to me like let's go get this retape so I can come back in the game. Yeah, yeah. It sounded like it felt like he wanted to come back. Then he's gone for a while, right? It wasn't like yo, let me just grab a new brace. He was gone. He missed five minutes. He comes back. He comes in, and then he can't move. He's like clearly favoring it. He's not moving that well. He comes out again and changes shoes and then goes back in. So, yeah, it was a little like, uh-oh, what is going on with Steph? And there's nothing to Paul's fervor, like <laughs> the possibility of a Steph Curry injury. That that Warriors fans, they, they know how to hold their breath for that one. Yeah, and like half of me sitting there thinking, why the hell is he in the game? There, he's, if he can't move, if he's moving like that, this really puts him at risk. And on the other side of me is like, Clearly, it must not be something serious because we know how carefully they treat him. That's what I was him. thinking. If there was something, he's not in this game. Like, didn't they go? Especially, he's dealing with, like, the, it looked like he was grabbing the back of his foot. Yeah. And I'm like, uh. Yeah, we've been there. <laughs> we've been down this road. And then Rick's coming over to him, talk to him every stoppage. I was like, it can't be something because they they pull him out. Like, there's no question about it. But it turns out it definitely was something. Yeah, I mean, I think he acknowledged it, like, there was some sort of ankle tweak too. It was like clearly an ankle thing. He said it wasn't as bad as the Boston one, and the Boston one apparently was not even bad enough to make him miss a game. He didn't even miss a game, so it doesn't sound like it's anything that's going to hold him out. But yeah, I mean, he, he was to me the the problem was he was pretty immobile out there, and like with Composo just like up in his grill early on, and the way the Denver guards were clearly told to defend him, he just didn't even want to be in the action early on and i said that was a problem in in washington too he looked a little bit tired and um and the and the way washington threw three guards out there and were kind of defending him pressuring him like that's just something to watch late in the season now he recovered he scored 12 in the third 13 in the fourth finished the game with the game high 32 points was kind of the star of the second half um but he's not invincible they've they've put a lot of a burden on him this season, obviously, and and they just you got to monitor that down the stretch, obviously. But at the same time, what's funny is the last couple of games, they've been fine without him. You know, like they were really good in Washington when he was off the court, and they, you know, even as he's going through that that uh, stuff in the first quarter today, Ubre comes in nine quick points. Jordan Poole's playing the non Curry minutes; he's scoring when you need it. They're like winning the non-Curry minutes. Michael like, Mulder kills it when he's out of Steph is in the locker room. Mulder's dunking on the old Nugget squad. He can kind of dunk. Oh yeah, no, he's got little hops. I definitely think they he can't when he can't cut and do the change of direction, especially off the ball when he's trying to zip. He he looked like he didn't want to do that at all. He was like, "Give the ball up. I'm gonna go ahead and draw the attention this way. Y'all go do it." You, I never seen him wave that many times. I know he like, was waving oh, people off, and they almost and. Oh. Composo was like, man, I'm not being waved. <laughs> he off. like, go, go, go. It was, it was weird. But the the odd part is, he changes his shoes, and eventually, second half, he like he doesn't look so immobile, right? And that's what that's what was weird. I just kept trying to figure out what is happening here. And but you like after the game when he's like being kind of coy about it, you know, you know, think that's just how it goes, or things happen sometimes, like. You could tell he didn't want to. He didn't want to talk about another. He didn't want to. He didn't want to detail. Yeah, not, it at all. Not at all. So, so, so he clearly tweaked it a little bit, and uh, you know, but he c- could clearly play. I'm surprised that they let him play. In hindsight, if if we if you knew it was another ankle coming off the last ankle, I'm surprised they let him play. I thought that was a pretty 
risky move by the Warriors, but I guess they wanted to win this game. They're, like, going for it right now. Um, Isn't that know, odd, though? They spent all yeah. year talking about, ah, this season, whatever. For sure. And uh, now it's like, we're all in, baby. Chips. Chips in the middle. Yeah. I just, I think just with the, you know, the when the Wiseman situation was kind of clarified and the reality of, like, they kicked that can down the road of, like, developing him and, and, and they're staring at kind of a challenging summer and into next year with him and just, like, roster reconstruction, all that. I think the pressure of what that's going to be in the summer, I don't, for some reason, I just get this sense that there's a realization that, like, the better they finish this season – I think the less outside noise they believe will be there, right? If, if they just if they just kind of eroded this season away, like fell out of the play-in, didn't even make the playoffs, that's going to feel a lot different for them as a whole and around them going into the summer than if if they sprint to this finish with I and I know this. I've talked to a bunch of people in the organization. They see this soft schedule, and they see the. They've been, like, really eyeing the sixth seed, which I'm, like, telling like, no, that's too ambitious. You're not hopping Memphis, Portland, and Dallas and getting to the sixth. Now, Portland's free falling. They lost again tonight. They actually lost to Memphis. Um, it's possible to – They lost that game? Yeah. yeah. Wow. At home. Um, but Dallas, who's coming in here Tuesday, sure, if you get that Dallas when you have the tiebreaker, maybe that maybe that reels them back in enough. But my thing with them is just get to the 7-8 side of the play-in. And then you just have to win one or two games. And if you win one or two games, you get Utah or Phoenix, make some noise. Let's say they push one of those teams to six and Steph looks awesome all the way through. That's going to feel a lot different going into the summer for everyone involved, the front office, the coaching staff, Steph Curry himself, uh, if he gets to make a little you know, first-round noise. So I can see why they, they still feel like a lot is at stake this year, even if a title's not at stake. I just feel like all that stuff was true <laughs> earlier when they were – not trying to go for it and acting like, eh, whatever, we got a punt on this season, right? Uh, here's the interesting question. Is it better for them to get to seven and play Utah at Phoenix, or is it to get to six and play the Clippers? I think if you could pick, you would rather play Utah or Phoenix. I mean, I think we all know that that's just like a more likely – situation to I don't know I mean you say that at the same time the Clippers are the one that that crumbled yeah. emotionally in the playoffs in the bubble I I, I just I think I wonder if their desire to get to six is like a, a signal to what they preference no for my from what I gather they don't want to be in the play in which I understand it's one game though it's like when I mean I guess you could lose the game right <laughs> yes that is something that can happen in the play and you, you can, can lose lose the game but I, I'm going to tell you something. This team that uh, we've watched all season could lose one game to, like, I'm the Portland, and then they if could. They, if they play two games, how many are they going to win? They're going to win one. Oh, well, that's true. <laughs> if you look at their record, they're now 30-30 and 30 Warriors, who were also 20-20. 20 and 20. Um, Kelly Oubre, uh, which he's, he's accepted eventual. And when he, will, when, when he came back from the wrist injury and they were keeping – Kent Bazemore in the starting lineup to me that was a more uh like Steve Kerr could hide his motives a little bit better by saying look Kent Bazemore's playing well the starting lineup's playing well they're four and one in five games like hey Kelly we're gonna kind of keep it moving how it is then Kent Bazemore who's now is now in health and safety protocols Damian Lee is too and the thought is well kind of you know do you have to give the starting spot back to Kelly Oubre how's he gonna handle it if you don't how's he gonna handle it if you give it to I don't know Michael Mulder who's never plays and if it wasn't Mulder it'd have been Nico Mannion starting huh? yeah, 
right? Gary Payton. The second I thought we might see tonight, we didn't. Um, or Poole. You know, I thought maybe they give the young guys some more run. But uh, Steve Kerr now has sent out a louder signal, like Kelly Oubre on this team moving forward. And, yes, this means the rest of this season. And it's even a wider discussion, which has already been had, of into the future. You are an energy bench player. And the f- ironic thing is he's been really good at it. This is now three straight really good games where he's provided life off the bench. He had 23 tonight. Um, I Again, I don't think this is what he wants to be long-term, and that's why I'm not sure this is going to be his home long-term. But for the stretch run, he looks really good in this role. Yeah, they've, they're going to have to sell him on it. The odd part is the better he looks in this role, the more likely he probably won't want it. Right, it's more like, oh man, I'm killing. I'm, if I'm getting twenty something off the bench, I can be a starter in this league, right? They're gonna have to sell him on wanting to win. They're gonna have to sell him on the Andre Iguodala message, uh, and you know that's where Draymond's gonna come in. That's where Steph's gonna come in because you know they love the guy and they've got this rapport with him. If he can be this guy, and you know, with the second unit is where he can do his. Put your head down and go, right? Those non-Steph minutes, that's kind of where they need it at. I, I think if what's interesting is I, I think he was just – you can get him to do it. I, I feel like you can get him to do it. I just think there was part of him that was looking at other pieces on the roster that was like, man, I, I probably should be starting. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. That's what I mean with tonight where, like, you're telling him it, but he apparently was told, and they called it a uh, walkthrough because yeah. they didn't shoot around today, so 3 p.m. or something before the game, he's told Michael Mulder starting. Michael Mulder is a fringe NBA player. Kelly Oubre thinks he's a 20 million per year type player is a 14 million per year type player. I think we both are in agreement. Like he's not what he, he's not going to become what we, what he probably thinks he's going to become, but yeah, he's probably like Michael Mulder starting over me. And I think maybe, I mean, to me, their only shot at at maintaining this Uber relationship long-term is a really strong winning finish to this season where he realizes, Oh, like you can be, you know, Andre, like for the Thunder, for example, when I covered them, Harden came off the bench for Tabo Cephalosha. Reggie Jackson came off the bench for Cephalosha and later like Robertson. You know what I mean? And like maybe if he's around enough winning over the next few weeks, he realizes like, oh, no, like sometimes like Kelly Oubre tonight was much more important than Michael Mulder. And maybe if he feels that enough, he'll feel like, oh, maybe this kind of is me in the league. But the reality is at his age with his – financial and I think shots minutes type desires I still don't think he's gonna necessarily come to that realization yeah I think a playoff series would help right if he's in the playoffs and he's playing well in the playoffs and he's got a role and he sees it as important and they they build something and Marcus Thompson is writing like these lengthy in-depth features about like Kelly Uber has found his home in the league like you know with with these glowing Draymond quotes Ubre, what did somebody call him? Uber Dalla? Uber. Did somebody, did somebody, I somebody tweeted me that? Oh, Kelly Uber Dalla. Uh, I, I do think that's probably their best selling point from that perspective. Get to the playoffs, have him look good in the playoffs coming off the bench, and Draymond and Steph in his ear saying, next year we can win a title if, if you stay with us, right? Like that's, 
they that's ha- what they got. They have a huge game three win over Utah, and on the podium, they're saying, like, you know, this is Kelly Oubre's win. You know, that like, he basically has the game he had tonight in a playoff game. I think that would help, for sure. Um, Jordan Poole, I'd probably the last subject. Jordan Poole is nice, son. Jordan Poole is nice. Y'all better stop playing with Jordan Poole. What was Steve doing? What was Steve doing playing Nico Mannion? Like, put the ball in Jordan Poole's hands. Yeah. Oh, I think the Brad Wanamaker early in the season. Now, it's probably more excusable, I guess, because, like, I mean, we all thought, like, they brought Brad Wanamaker in to be the backup point guard. And, like, honestly, nobody was really criticizing it early on. We thought that no, was a good. Know, it was a solid move. And he looks good, Charlotte. Yeah. And, and honestly, you know, I just did, like, a really big Jordan Poole story talking to a bunch of people. And I feel like he needed the bubble to, like, get back in rhythm. He hadn't played basketball for nine months. He had, he'd, he'd done all this stuff over the summer mentally and, like, individual drill-wise that he needed to actually implement in a game. And I don't mean even just mean, like, as as Brad Wanamaker's, like, shooting guard for, for four-minute stretches with veterans out there. No, he needed, like, 37 minutes, go, you know, hand him the ball, run a G League team. So I think he really needed the bubble. Now, post-bubble, I think we were all saying, it, like, why has he got to play with Mannion? And, and the, the, re, uh, the rationale was – Two things. I mean, this whole, like, he can't be a, a point guard, which I think we all realize. Look, he, we're seeing it now. He can be a combo guard that's not necessarily a point, but he can be the only uh, – th- he can be out there without another point guard. Um, and then the other reason was, remember they tried this whole, like, Mannion, Pool, Wiseman together yeah. thing, this youth movement, which, I mean, Mannion's just not ready. And and the way they're trying to win. But anyway, now Pool. I mean, he's, he, he's taken – you know, he had that really big start off the bubble, which was like eight games of like 20 points, so like 50, 40, 90. Slumped a little with his shot. I think it's been really encouraging what he's done, really like the last four games. You know, it's not it's not huge nights every night, but it's just big buckets, timely. He's surviving defensively. They're winning every time he's on the court right now. Look at his plus minus lately. They're winning those minutes. And a lot of those are non-Curry minutes. You know, important like that's his role. That's his most important responsibility the next couple seasons is make them passable in the non-Curry minutes, and he's doing it right now. He's an offensive creator. Like that's the part. When I'm, I'm like jabbing Steve is because I don't think Steve saw him as a guy who could put the ball into any great offense. But I think he can do it. It's not gonna be floor general. It's not gonna be you know what Draymond's doing. But he can make a move, he can make a decision, and he can make a defense pay. I mean, you, we saw it tonight. Like, he got them open looks. He was drilling them things in the way that Wiggins kind of don't, right? The wide open momentum. Mulder missed one from the corner. Could have put him up 16. Would have been like a backbreaker type deal. Poole makes a lot of those. But just his ability to create off the dribble, to have the ball 30 feet from the basket, Get by somebody. Yes. Just like that. Like it's, it's, he can do it. He can get there. And he, you can see him. He's still learning how to play. He's not, like, arrived as a player. He doesn't have all of this stuff in his bag, right? He, We still haven't seen him hit that mid-range that he was doing his rookie year when he came back the second time. He's still got some other parts he can develop. He was driving and got a shot blocked a couple times, right? He's got to learn how to, you know, be more creative with the finish or maybe dunk some of those, right? But the fact that he can do that, they don't have many guys who can from 30 feet and two dribbles be at the rim. It matters. Uh, He's still like he'll come off these screens and he's got more time than he thinks. But he's still hitting like he's shooting and he's hitting it like that dude can play, man. Like he is a good basketball player. He's super young still. 
not a lot of uh, miles on him, right? Like, he's still, like, he's going to be good. And the more confidence he has, I think he's going to get better. I think you're so right about that. Like, if, if he's the guy getting you buckets in the non-Steph minutes, he was already super confident, right? What does that mean now if he can be that guy? Like, you, you don't get more comfortable than that. <laughs> now, and then you can play him with Steph and then create all these other problems for the defense. He is really good, and they, they desperately need offensive creators. They just don't they don't really have anybody else outside of Draymond, like, knowing where people are going to be off the screens. Yeah, he's, he's got good quickly. Uh, you know, like, like his year one to year two leap is, like, just – Isn't it crazy, like, some of the shots he makes, takes and makes based on the dude we just was watching a year ago last <laughs> Like, it's sometimes it's like the, when he's shooting, I'm thinking it's going in. And there was a time he was so far from this, right? Like it was a year ago. It wasn't even that. It wasn't even that long ago. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I mean, it happens. Um, you know, I, I think he's done a lot to his body too. Uh, he's just looked bigger out there. He's absorbing contact yeah. more. I mean, he's just. It, it, Is he more explosive? No, I wouldn't. You know, Chris Weems, who I talked to, gave me just great quote after great quote. To be honest with you, um, he he's like. He's not an explosive athlete or a quick burst athlete. He's just so it's like smooth and it's 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 kind of quick twitch. It's like deceptive and it's it's slippery. I I will use that term. I I was because I was talking to him about going through Ben Simmons on a play and I was like that's not a play you make as a rookie, right? Like you could not finish at the rim as a rookie because you were just getting ragdoll thrown around. No, he like went into Ben Simmons like made over. I was like you must be stronger. He's like no, I'm slippery. Like he views, and that's it. I don't know. It's like this slithery style that it's it's not Russell Westbrook, right? He's not just like, but he will. He'll remember he tried to, or he, I wouldn't call it a dunk on Javale McGee, but remember that yeah, game yeah, too, yeah, yeah. where it was like, <laughs> and he'll go for a, it. That was not a dunk on Trotton. So it's deceptive yeah. athleticism too. I mean, his first step is his first step is good. He's got a really yeah. good first step, and he just. I like the way it'll be a catch and he's looking this way. He already knows he's making the right drive move, but the way his eyes are like kind of training the defender of like, I'm not doing anything. I'm alone. You just sleep. Go. Like he does a lot of that. He Have just you seen him do the travel step, the step back or the travel. Off the yeah. I th- yeah. I think the, another I, one. I, th- I think he's kind of, I think he's kind of stopped that where like, cause he's, He's moving forward, like he's catching and he's ready to go. You don't see him do the negative step. You're not seeing him travel. Like, man, he figured a lot of stuff out really fast, like really quickly. Well, he's really dedicated to figuring it out, and that matters. And and the other thing is, uh, you know, I'm not. He does not have a Lamelo Ball feel for the game because like Lamelo Ball has like very rare feel. But you know, what? like he can kind he kind of reads the patterns of the game very well. Um, he had the, Michael Mulder didn't even hit. the corner three tonight but he set up Michael Muller for a corner three yeah. it was like really just a nice offensive move but um anything else from tonight? Draymond had 19 assists tonight yeah, he, was, he talk about Draymond with 19 assists huh? in a zone passing uh I thought he had 19 assists it was defense on Jokic was even more impressive than that like Jokic is incredible you hold Jokic to 18 points on super high efficiency he did pretty well. Yeah, yeah. I enjoyed his uh, imitation of Jokic's, like, uh, fadeaway. Fade yeah, the one footer. Oh. <laughs> yeah, the one footer. Yeah, that's funny, Draymond. All right. We will talk to you maybe after Sunday's game against the Kings. Definitely after Tuesday against the Mavericks. Should be a good one with some playoff play-in implications on the line. Talk to you then. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.